0: Are you a defense financial manager looking to invest in your career? Attend PDI, the Professional Development Institute in Phoenix, Arizona, May 29th to 31st. PDI is the premier annual training
1: event for the DFM community. Register today at PDI2024.org. Early bird rates end April 30th. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.
0: Dr. Doreen
1: Grand Pichet is the, Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand Dr. Grand Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here with the fabulous Dr. Doreen Grant Pichet, And I'm very excited about today's show. This is a special edition of Ask Dr. Doreen where we're gonna be talking about a topic that I think we both have very strong feelings about. Absolutely. Recognizing the difference between good ABA and not good ABA. So good,
0: that's yeah. right. Good morning everyone. Uh, so <laughs> thrilled to have
1: you here. And I'm feeling especially sparkly because by accident I, I chose something that would match the set exactly. I feel like... Uh,
0: oh, that's like, true, but we're both wearing blue, which yes. is kind of nice. Of it. Uh, it is.
1: I feel very uh, springy, fresh August with that's you. That's right. Um, so we, uh, we're coming to you guys live right now. I mentioned this on the show yesterday that this is a special talk um, that is just going to kick the conversation off. So we're going to do things a little bit different this morning. And I do want you guys to write in. We love the interaction, but we aren't going to take live questions today. Welcome, everybody. I see that you guys are here. But we aren't going to take any live questions today. But please write your questions in as we go through because then we will answer all of those questions on next week's show because I'm sure that there will be, there's already been questions that you guys have sent. Definitely,
0: and it's such a a hot topic, I think, Shannon, and we have so much to talk about today that hopefully we'll make it through. Yeah. And if we don't, we have next week to resume.
1: There we go. So just a couple of things right off the gate here. You can be writing in your questions on any of the the formats that we're on. Traven's going to show you uh, what some of those are either now or later on. Um, so please do write in, whether you're watching in podcast or you're watching us live. We appreciate getting those questions, and yep. then you can watch next week. I also, if you don't know, if you've never met Dr. Grant Pichet, my goodness, I'm so glad that you're here. She is a true expert in the field of autism. She's been working in this field for more than 40 years. I know, she doesn't <laughs> look like she could possibly have done anything. She hasn't been doing laundry for 40 years, right? But it's true. And she's worked with individuals all across the spectrum, and all different ages, at all different mm-hmm. challenges, all different abilities. Uh, she is widely recognized as, as being, I mean, I feel, the preeminent expert in this field, in this time, in any time. Um, I Thank you. I have benefited greatly from your knowledge and, and what you know, and I know that many of you are grateful that she donates this time to be able to answer your questions every week. This is just a little bit different, a little bit format, because you guys write in all the time and ask us for this show. So so now we're going to definitively give you that show. But I do have to give the disclaimer that um, regardless, uh, there is no expert who can give you individual-specific advice in this format. You can still write to us and ask us specific things, but she can't without – it's unfair to the individual – that we're right. asking the question about if you don't if you don't have an opportunity to see them in real life,
0: definitely. And sometimes uh, it's not even possible to really give a lot of direction, and we will ask for more clarification. But today, I think a lot of the topics that we're going to talk about. Um, are going to pertain to almost all of our viewers, and then as you said earlier, it'll be a good opportunity for us next week to be able to answer questions that come up today.
1: All right, so everybody buckle your seatbelts. We're going to get started with this discussion about ABA, but before that, we have a very important message for all of you that I want to share with you right now. Take a look at this. A recent study funded by the National Institute of Health suggests that there may be a higher risk of autism in children whose mother took the pain reliever acetaminophen during pregnancy. Acetaminophen is the active ingredient in scores of over-the-counter products, including Tylenol, Excedrin, and Robitussin. So if your child was diagnosed with autism and you took any acetaminophen product while pregnant, This commonly recommended over-the-counter medication may be responsible, though additional research is ongoing. If you or a loved one used Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen while pregnant and later gave birth to a child diagnosed with autism, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Shapiro Legal Group is now evaluating potential legal claims by parents of autistic children Call right now to see if you may be entitled to financial compensation. There are time deadlines to file a claim, so don't wait. You can reach Shapiro Legal Group at 888-657-0455. Again, that number is 888-657-0455. You can also contact Shapiro Legal Group by going to shapirolegalgroup.com Forward slash autism. Shapiro Legal Group PLLC associates with attorneys throughout the country to help people nationwide, and is licensed in New York and Washington D.C. and has its principal office at 60 East 42nd Street, New York, New York. This ad was read by a non-attorney spokesperson. That you guys, uh, if you feel that you qualify for this study, please uh, call that number. All right, but today we're going to be talking about ABA. Yes. Very hot topic, um, and from time to time we're going to show you some slides here, and I don't know which one we're on, Traven. Um, But um, this is, you've spent a great deal of time working in this field, and I am not an expert in ABA. I'm going to say that right now, but I'm going to be providing the perspective in this discussion of a parent who had Five years of intensive ABA in my home, mm-hmm. um, which I watched a great deal of through yes. baby monitors and participated as a parent. And let's remember that, I mean, I don't want to give away the story at the end, but my son is starting his sophomore year of college with absolutely no supports on the dean's list, yeah. um, which a bunch of people told me was never going to happen. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful to good ABA. That's right. But I uh, I really want to talk about um, the differences because I feel if we don't empower parents to know the difference, there will be people who will say no to good ABA, which to me is the most tragic thing that could ever happen. Yeah. And then there will be people who will suffer through ABA that is not effective, not doing their kids good, but say but I want what Shannon has, so I'm going to suffer through it. And that also, to me, is is so devastating that it makes me sick to my stomach. So I feel like if we empower parents by giving them the knowledge mm-hmm. of what it looks like, what are the hallmarks of it, that that this will be...
0: that Everybody asks us for this all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm excited to actually be doing this talk with you because really... I'm worried about the field, to be honest. I'm worried about all the people who will not benefit from good ABA, but I'm also worried about the field because uh, it's just being misunderstood. So, and, Absolutely. you know, when you have poor quality ABA out there, it can affect the future of the field altogether. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: so can we start with just a brief what is ABA? So that because I know there are people probably watching
0: that they're like, I don't, I, you know, people I hear people talking about it, sure. but I don't really know what it is. Absolutely. So ABA stands for applied behavior analysis. When it first when we first started practicing ABA back in the let's say 70s or so, it was called behavior modification. And it is a type of psychology, let's put it that way. And what it has to do with is a, a, um, these are techniques that are used to alter behavior, okay, like anything else in psychology. So basically, uh, with ABA, it is based on the premise that any behavior can be changed by changing the antecedents or things that happen before that behavior and or the consequences, things that occur after that behavior. So, I mean, I can give you a million examples of that. That happens in real life all the time, right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, a child has a tantrum in a classroom and the teacher takes away a token and then puts the ch- has the child leave the classroom. Just an example. Yeah. Or, um, you know, a child... Is, uh, doesn't know how to wash their hands, and a parent will open the thing, the faucet, and show them how to wash their hands. So as you can see, the child, uh, the behavior of the child is altered by the things that can happen before, because if I'm showing the child how to do something, yeah. then they're going to model, right. right? And that's altering their behavior. If a child tantrums and they're removed from the classroom, that's going to alter their behavior. And that's what ABA is all about. It's like, how do I manage? So when you apply ABA, you know, ABA of course, is applied to a lot of different things, not just autism, yeah. right? It is applied to employee uh, work, uh, you know, conditions. So, for instance, you have employees who are goofing off and not working. Well, an ABA specialist will come in and say, you know, the problem is you have these high walls and everybody can just close their doors, and nobody knows what they're doing. So what you need to do is remove the walls and put glass cubicles, and then people are seeing each other, and as a consequence of this antecedent change, their behavior will change, because they'll look at each other, and they'll see, oh, I better start working, and that'll alter their behavior. Or uh, the whole concept of, let's say... Uh, you know, bonuses at the end of a good period. That's ABA. So you do good work, you get a bonus. You do uh, good school work, you get a good grade. That's Mm -hmm. all ABA. Because when you get a reward, like a good grade or a good bonus, your behavior will continue and increase, whatever behavior it was that earned that bonus. So that's the concept. Now when you apply it to autism, The way that it is done is that you look at each child, right? And as we know, children with autism are very, very different. So you will list kind of what are the things that are challenging in this child's worth? What are the things that are difficult, right? And you'll see some of the challenges have to do with skills that are deficient. There's just not enough eye contact. There's just not enough social skills, not enough language, et cetera for the child to be able to, I guess, survive and thrive in society. And then there are some skills that are excessive. So, for instance, the child will tantrum instead of communicating. The child will hit others. The child will run away. Those things are too much, right? So the goal is increase those areas that are somewhat below where they should be and decrease those behaviors that are uh, challenging and maladaptive to the child's life. And what you're doing is you're bringing the child's behaviors to a level where their functioning in the world becomes realistic, successful, they're able to live in society, Mm -hmm. right? And the way that you do that is through the concept of manipulating those antecedents, manipulating those consequences. You will model behaviors that are good, you will prompt and help the child do those behaviors, including language, and then you will reward them when they occur. And it's really as simple as that, because behaviors that are rewarded will increase, behaviors that are not rewarded will extinguish, decrease, and fade out. And that's all ABA really is.
1: So you know what I say to people when they ask me that question, what is ABA? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've heard the explanation from the expert, what I say is it's a really good teaching technique based on science um, that we know it's really effective. In fact, it's considered the best teaching technique for anything. Absolutely. And that's where I start because I loved your explanation. And for people who are a little further down the road, listen back to what she said and it will help you. But if you're overtired, overwhelmed and a parent and you're like I want to help my child and I don't I don't see that like the the typical thing that I was doing to teach my child how to whatever it is, mm-hmm. to say I love you, to you know, wash their hands, to eat with a fork, whatever it is, didn't work and now I don't know what to do, I just want those parents to know that this is a teach this is a teaching technique. It's like all the paint brushes yeah. And then you're gonna take the paintbrushes and apply them to each canvas, and each child, each yep. individual is a different canvas. That's right. And 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 but the super cool thing is it's all based on science. Now, you can be with lovely people who understand the science and they will talk about the scientific way that they're that it's being accomplished. Mm-hmm. It's like the computer. I don't really need to know how (laughs) (laughs) that works. I want to know, oh, you push F11 and that happens? Right, right. Oh. Right. And I think the the criminal thing about ABA is that people, I almost feel like you got to see it, good ABA, to really, really get it. But how hard is it when you're a parent and you don't have the opportunity to see it and you're being asked to sign up and your child is already doing it and you need to know Is this good or bad? So we've given you some things to look for that are telltale signs that you're getting the good ABA.
0: Absolutely. And can I, before we get into our uh, presentation here, one thing I want to say about ABA that's kind of important is that it's not something magical. It is something that we live every single day. It's just kind of compressed and clarified yeah. for our child. Yeah. It's like in normal life there's a lot of ABA happening for yes. all of us. Yes. The, the, reason, the problem is with our kids they have a hard time paying attention to all the cues in, in their real lives. Yeah. So what, what an ABA provider does is you take all those cues from the child's environment and you kind of compress them and make them really, really clear and distinct and short. Yes. And you deliver that to the child, and then the child's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But that is what looks <laughs> like magic. That's the art of it. That's the hard That's part. what
1: looks like magic. Yep, yep, and, yep. And, um, you know, I used to refer to ABA, I still refer to it as the, um, the miracle in my living room. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah. all of a sudden it brought things into focus that maybe I hadn't thought of and and we got to see how our child would learn. Yep. And he turned out he was a sponge. And that yeah. he had a lot he wanted to learn and a lot he wanted to say and a lot he wanted to do. Got it. It's what every parent wishes for, right? I totally get it. Okay, so we've got a bunch of different things here that are hallmarks of ABA, that a good ABA says, and this very first one, I, I love this. The first time somebody said this to me within the confines of ABA, I, I took a breath. I was like, yeah. oh... This is fantastic. So I don't know if you've got it there, Traven, but the student is never wrong.
0: Yeah, never. There's no right or wrong at all when you're doing ABA. When the student or the child or the adult or the individual, the client, when they get something wrong or incorrect, it's because you as the ABA provider have to modify something you need to change something not yeah. the student there's nothing wrong with their response yes. they are responding to whatever environmental cues you put in front of them yeah. so if i ask a child if i put something in front of a child and i say what is that and the child can't respond or responds incorrectly it's only because i didn't teach them the things they need to know in order to answer that correctly yeah. and that's it you make modifications, in fact, you know, Sh- Shannon and I have a uh, one of my patients that I'm seeing now, uh, I just saw him on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I noticed that, you know, after a year or so, almost a year, he still is having a hard time hitting his staff sometimes, right, aggressive right. towards his staff, and I thought, okay, this is, like, he's definitely trying to communicate something different, yeah. right, because when we hit, we're trying to communicate frustration, yeah. whatever it is, and his language level is not quite there, and I realized, oh, he's just trying to delay. He's, all uh, he's trying to do, he's not trying to get out of the activity because he actually enjoys the activity. He just likes the delay, the game of the delay, you know? Right. So we had to change kind of the protocol altogether. Right. And that was after nine months with me. Yeah. So ABA is like a machine that's constantly changing so that the child is not wrong.
1: Yeah. And as a parent, this, as I said, it, it made me be able to exhale breath. Because I felt like there was so much out there saying there was something wrong with my child and that he couldn't learn and that he wouldn't learn. Oh God, and no. that he needed to learn how to learn the other way. And then when we <laughs> discovered ABA, good quality ABA you like, whoa, it was you know it was like, oh, well, the way he learns is this.. Yes. So let's capitalize on that.. Yeah. And it felt like a win to me as a parent. That's very true. So if you're getting good ABA, you will never hear that that there's, you know, something wrong with your child or that your child is wrong. They will be changing their teaching techniques to meet your child.
0: And also, that's a really good point because you might be a parent who has not had success with ABA. You might actually even be with a very, very good provider, but sometimes what needs to change is not just the teaching technique, but it's also, let's say, the biochemistry of the child. Yes. So sometimes, and this is very important, is that, you know, you may have a really good ABA provider. You also, as the parent, need to check and make sure your child is sleeping, feeling good, uh, aware, paying attention. Perhaps they need medications to help them with, the attention part or with the anxiety or whatever it is, they need to be physically, by chemistry level, ready for learning. Yeah, And then good ABA works.
1: Yeah. Well, and it'll take different amounts of time for different things. And there are even other considerations that we were going to talk about later. But a lot of times right now we see parents who say, okay, all right, I'm going to do ABA. I'll do eight hours a week. That's a big right? one. Um, and, and this, we had a plan later, but it's, it's, it's here now. So let's talk about it. You know, so I'm going to do eight hours a week. But if the thing that you're trying to teach the person is something that for them would really take them 12 hours a week, then only doing eight hours yeah. is, is going to take longer and give them more time to be frustrated to learn. Right. And so it's not that the ABA is bad in that case. But again, they won't be saying the child is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not the child that's wrong. We have to change the variables. And one of them is are we giving enough opportunity for them to... Because if you're going to teach me to ski, Mm -hmm. plan on it taking long. Because I I am physically not put together to ski. And I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of speed and I don't like cold. It's going to take longer than it would take her to ski. Right? But we wouldn't say that I was wrong yeah, in ABA. Right? We wouldn't say that the teacher was a bad instructor, but a good instructor
0: would say, we're going to take a little bit more time with this. With there you me. go. So let me ask all of our viewers, why is it excessive to do 30 hours, let's say, of ABA, but it's not excessive to have our child in school for 30 hours a week? Yeah, What's the difference? Because we think, because the whole, where did we even come up with that concept that school should be from 8 to 2 or 9 to 3, like 30 hours a week? How yeah. did that come up? Yeah, It's because of the amount of stuff that needs to be taught, right? And half, that stu- half of that stuff is not even material that we ever remember in our lives, right? I don't remember a lot of geography or history that I studied. It's not something I use on a day-to-day basis. Whereas language, communication, Uh, eye contact social behavior is stuff that I use every single day and the better I am at it the more friends I have and the better job I get and the more I am able to get through life in a very successful manner so those are things I often tell parents I'm like well how much, it's your decision, right? It's not the yeah. decision, really. I mean, a, a provider can make a recommendation for a certain number of hours based on the things that are required to teach, right? That we need to teach any given child. Sometimes I'll have a child and I'll be like, oh, this child is extremely, you know, their their language is the only, it's very ad, advanced language is only limited. Everything else is really great. The child is doing very, very well. They're social, they're, They have friends, all that sort of stuff. It's just a few concepts. I don't think we need more than 8 or 10 hours. But when you look at a child who has no very limited ability to communicate, uh, lots and lots of challenging behaviors because that's how they communicate. Uh, You know, is not potty trained, is not able to interact with others, is not able to even sit still for a while all of those things, it takes a long time to teach those things. It's a lot of hours of hard work. And that adds up. And that it's important to realize that ABA can be very intensive and it is worth the work. Yeah. But even
1: for the kids who have a lot of skills, let me say this from the other side of the, the table here that um what I see a lot is that there'll be, you know, a seven or eight year old who who has some skills. Yeah. That they're very good at things. And so they'll come back and they'll say, oh well, you know, you could have 30 hours, but you know, you really don't you really don't need that, whatever. And they tell everybody, your kid is so good. I don't trust that anymore. Because then then the parent goes, But you know, but we're having meltdowns. Yeah. And we're having this and yep. whatever. I say to parents, whatever they say when they come back to you and they say okay we're going to give you x numbers of hours unless that number is over 30 push for more push for more and do more in the beginning if you find <laughs> yeah. you're 6 months in and you go hey this really worked and we're really helpful and now then because you're never i what i've learned from insurance is you're never going to get offered more than you get offered in the beginning unless you mount a war
0: yeah i mean and that's a very important point shannon because realistically if you realize with everything else like you you just look at anything else like you know you're i I have as you know my mother is very old right now and and i'm trying to get things like physical therapy for her or various other things right It's, it's not like insurance comes back and says oh yes we'd be happy to offer you you know 10 hours a week no they start with one right because from from the insurance company's perspective their job is to try to reduce their cost yeah and so they're trying to reduce your cost it is if a provider uh fights for you and says no we need 20 hours not 10 they're not it's not that the provider is trying to be greedy because think about this this is really important uh, you know, every provider, every organization that provides this type of therapy will currently have a wait list of children yeah. just because there's not enough people providing good quality ABA. So if I have a wait list, then why would I insist that your child receive double what they're receiving? All, yeah. I, can, all I have to do is take the next child, right? And the yeah. next child. For me, it doesn't matter. I can do 10 hours with 10 children Or I can do, you know, 20 hours with five children. What the providers that are insisting that you increase your hours as a parent are doing it because your child will need those hours in order for them to learn all the things they need to learn in a very compact period of time. It becomes almost impossible to get additional hours when your child has passed a certain age, let's yeah. say eight or nine, and also remember, as your child gets older, other things are added onto the child's requirements, like school. Yeah. Right. When your child yeah. is three, we don't have to worry about that. We're working on skills your child needs. We're not yet concerned about academics. Later on, those things play a role as well.
1: I just tell parents be greedy. Be Take greedy. Take everything yeah. you can get. Ask for more. Do everything that you can as early as you want. One of the things that you said so many times, which I've taken to heart in my life, is when you do enough of the right Right things, things. often enough good things happen. Yeah. And that, like, I live by that now. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be, you know, all that in a bag of chips, but do enough of the good things often enough good things will happen. Absolutely. Okay, let's go on to the next one. I um, oh, love this one too. All behaviors happen for a reason. 100%. For anybody who's out there and your child is lining toys up or is flapping their hands or doing whatever and people have told you it's just weird
0: and we need to stop that. Um, there's a reason for there's it. There's a reason for it. Yeah. And in, in ABA, we call that the function of the behavior. There's a function Every behavior has a function, whether it's, you know, us doing this show right now where our function is to provide you information, and that is rewarding for both Shannon and I as well, because we feel like, hey, we did something really good. We provided information. Or the function is just because we want, you know, a a child does something. I, I gave the example earlier, Shannon, of a child who... <clears throat> excuse me, tantrums in the classroom and the natural responses, they're taken out of the classroom. A lot of times people don't realize that potentially could be exactly what the child wanted, yeah. right? If I, as a child, knew every time I throw a fit, they're going to take me for a walk outside, I'd be doing that day and night because who wants to sit in a classroom that, which yeah. is overwhelming or they're not learning or the sounds are bothering them, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, there's always a function, and one of the first things you learn in ABA, whether you're a parent or a professional, is to identify the function of the behavior as it's occurring. And these are usually, I always explain these very, as, to make it simple, you're always trying to gain something or avoid something. Yeah. Always. And the things that you try to gain can be attention, they can be tangible objects, they can be activities they can be time with someone, whatever. And the things that you're trying to avoid are whatever you consider to be aversive. Yep. And that's going to be different for each person. Yep. That's it. That's all it is. Absolutely. But I also,
1: you know, I, I'm, I'm particularly, um, I don't know, protective of the fact that, so if we establish this idea that all behavior, behaviors happen for a reason, and then I hear parents go, yes, So my child should be able to just stim whenever they want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, that's absolutely, you know, if that's your philosophy on that, but here's the other thing. Just because it's there for a reason, it has a function, it doesn't mean it's the most functional way you can get your needs met. So if the way that I choose to get attention is that I bang my head on the kitchen floor, Mm -hmm. I think we could all agree that, hey, wait a second, that, they're banging their head on the kitchen floor for a reason, but what if we taught them a better way to get that need met, then they wouldn't have to hurt themselves. That's right. Now, that's not me saying, you know, you don't, you don't get to get your need met. It's quite the opposite. It's saying I'm going to give you a more functional way that's right. of getting
0: your, your needs met. That's right. And, and you know, for me, that's, I'm really glad you approached that, Part of this subject, because right now there is a lot of discussion of like should we even alter the environment in order to change the individual's behavior
1: yeah
0: and let's hit that because that's a really hot topic yeah. right and the question is really uh, you know it's it's one thing like a parent might say, I, I, I don't care if my child in the home is, you know, punching the walls. And every time they do that, I go and give them attention because I know they want attention. Right. But what if they're punching other people, Yeah. right? What if they are doing things that are non-adaptive, very challenging for society, Yeah. right? And I often, I talk about this because there's so many other uh, disorders, illnesses, disabilities, whatever you might want to call it, where the individual is doing something that is potentially uh, harmful or challenging for others or for themselves, and we actively work on trying to treat that and help them, right? But with autism, there's this discussion of maybe we should just let it happen. And I can tell you two things. One is, when you let a a child with autism uh, either do challenging behaviors that are challenging for other people um, when you do that what will happen is over time they will be isolated because other people don't want to be around that they will just be isolated and as they get older these behaviors become more and more ingrained and it becomes harder to change so for instance if my way of getting attention right now and which is by the way if you think about it one year olds might do this as well a one-year-old might come up and hit you and, yeah. because you're not listening, right? right? And be like, mommy, like yeah, that. And then you look down, and the first thing you do is you say, use your words. Yeah. Don't hit me, use your words. And by the time they're three, we won't let them hit. That's right. Why do we not let the, typical, the neurotypical three-year-old hit? Yeah. But, and we teach them not to, and we teach them to use their words, Because that is our society and that's how you function in society. And if you don't do that with the child with autism, you are teaching them to live in a way in their future as well, which will be self-isolating and challenging and will prevent them from thriving in life. Now, I know some people are going to write in
1: and say, well, why don't you try to change society? And listen, I'm all about that too. Let's ch- And society is changing. It's changing. And COVID has pushed it further so that it is changing. But I want to go back to the whole thing about, well, wait a second. If I'm a good ally as a parent, as a caregiver, as a teacher, as somebody who works in the field, shouldn't I want to help the person accomplish what they want to accomplish? Shouldn't that be the number one thing?
0: Absolutely. And
1: so I, if, if, if I see that what you want is attention and what you're doing is hitting your head to do it and I know that there is a way that I a, a way that I could teach you a different way mm-hmm. to get that same attention so that your need is met and you don't hurt yourself I feel that not only Why is that a good yeah. thing to do, it yep. is my responsibility 100% 100%. to help you to get to that. And that is what good ABA does. 100%.
0: Y'all. Because otherwise, Shannon, think about like, people who have anger issues due to whatever. Right. Why do we ask them to go to an anger management class? Right. Why don't we just let them be angry?
1: Well, um, and, and right? it's for everything. But it's, it, I want to say that it's better, if, you know, yes. society functions better when we do that but let's remember it's better for the individual. Oh, absolutely. It's better for the individual. I mean,
0: and an example, not to use just anger as an example, just like the way we handle ourselves in society, you know, this whole thing that happened a few months ago with Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? Why is it that after that behavior everybody was like, whoa, what's going on with Will Smith? He might need help. He should really look at his background and figure out why he did that behavior. Yeah. Well, he did that behavior because in the past that behavior has been functional for him. Yeah. And, and the question we have to ask ourselves is why are certain things like that not allowed in society? But then we say if an individual with autism, let's say, wants to, has to, or needs to hit you in order to get attention, spit at you yeah. in order to get attention, that should be acceptable. Yeah. And that's, that's my point, you know, and I am the biggest advocate of individuals on you the spectrum. Are. I've dedicated my whole life to them. And I do actually, I'm very, very happy to see that society is changing. As you know, I do training for very large organizations that are trying to uh, provide accommodations for individuals on the spectrum. Same as schools, right? Which is fabulous. But we have to kind of meet in the middle. And we have to make sure that we are also learning to, to uh, live in society while society's rules become a little bit more amenable to us. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I'm going to go on to the next slide here because some of this is going to overlap a little bit. Um, okay, so this is a thing that I tell parents to look out for, um, and, the, and you know in the beginning nobody knows what generalization is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the example that I always give doctor Grant because I think parents get this, is um, that when your child, for instance, is being taught how to pee in the potty, Mm -hmm. um, that a good ABA company, and we'll explain what generalization is, they say um, the goal here is not just for your child to be able to pee in this potty, but your child to pee wherever you go. So if you go on vacation to the Bahamas, that your child is gonna be able to pee in the toilet there, right? And so they plan that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We're not just teaching how to do this here We're trying to give this child the skill of being able to go to the bathroom. And there's no possibility that you can teach every single way that a toilet flushes across the world. That's right. Like how many hours would we have to spend doing that? So, but they teach a child how to go to the bathroom in a way that takes into consideration that there will be different toilets at different times and give them truly the skill of being able to go to the bathroom. That's right. And i the other example i my mother did this when she was teaching me how to drive. My mother didn't know the term generalization where and she didn't know about a b a but when she was teaching me how to drive, she was trying to teach me how to be able to drive anywhere any anywhere any in car. any car there you go um and so there were some you know some things that were specific and some things that were general, but she tried to do that from the beginning, yeah, and I see it's one of the hallmarks that there are ABA providers who are like, we'll worry about that later. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a really good point. There's actually two sides to generalization and it's very okay. interesting. So generalization in general basically means being able to use that skill in real life. That's yeah. what it means. But in order to be able to use that skill in real life, there's two types of generalization. One is what we call stimulus generalization. And that means in different settings, with different people, with different cars, like you said, you know, different yeah. stimuli, different times of the day, all that. Yeah. You're changing the stimulus. Right. The other type is response generalization. That means when the instructions are slightly different, when the behavior is a little different. So in other words, I teach you right now, let's say I teach you, you know, I ask you, what's your name? And you'll say, my name is Shannon. Yeah. And, but in real life, no one's going to say, what's your name? They might say, oh, it's very nice to meet you. And then their expectation is that you will also yeah. say, nice to meet you too. My name is Shannon. So there's, different, so there's a lot of work that goes into generalizing a behavior that was taught in an ABA setting to the real world. Yeah. And good ABA providers do that from the very beginning. As soon as something is learned they make sure that it is done across people, different settings, different instructions, yes. where behavior, the behavior response can be slightly different, but it is acceptable, that yeah. sort of thing.
1: And this is a really important one for me because when my son was diagnosed by the developmental pediatrician who diagnosed him, and I, I, heard, I didn't even know the right letters. I said, what about that A-B-Q or whatever thing? And she said, oh, you mean A-B-A. And she said, oh, don't do that with him. Promise you won't do that with him because it'll turn him into a robot, that they'll just yeah. teach him rote responses. And that terrified me and cost me six months that we yeah. didn't get A-B-A. And I think it's important because yeah. she was talking about bad, schlocky A-B-A where they're just teaching, I do this, you respond this way, that's it, we're done, let's all go home, and, and what I saw was good ABA gave him the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I want to say, you know, that, that ABA that everybody talks about is robotic, is, yeah. is what usually is referred to discrete trial training, DTT. Yeah. And you know what? It does look robotic in the beginning, and there, because there's nothing to generalize unless you've mastered it. Something else that looks robotic is when you're first learning a musical instrument. Thank you. Uh, when you're learning um, your alphabet. When you're learning numbers. I mean, these things, with the times tables, these are uh, just pure memorization tasks or just repeat tasks yes. until you learn, right? Those are, sometimes when you're learning something brand new, there's yeah. a lot of repetition and it can be referred to as robotic. The key to it is that as soon as you've learned it, it is now modified and it's made to fit the world as we're talking about. Yeah. But there's, if there's nothing to generalize, then in the beginning, there's going to be some discrete trial activity. Once that's mastered, then you do all of this natural environment type stuff to help generalize it.
1: I always think about the the part in My Fair Lady where they say, by George, I go. think she's got it. Yeah. Right? And that's the moment that we all want to see our kids get when it's theirs. Yep. When it's theirs. And good ABA makes that happen. Yeah. Bad ABA just teaches them the rote and never gets right. past that. Right. Okay. Uh, on to our next
0: one. Oh, this is important. So important. So important. It's got to be fun. It's got to be fun and 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 fair. And that's yes, always what I that's say, Yes, that's the other right? thing you say. Because yes. sometimes, because it's really all about the fun comes from. You know, sometimes a parent will say to me, uh, he, "My child is not interested in anything. Like they have nothing that is a real reward or a reinforcer. What we yeah. call reinforcer." And I'll say, well, if that's the case, we gotta go home. Like because this ain't gonna work. ABA is based on being able to give enough reward that the child remains motivated. Now think about that. If you're giving enough reward and the child is motivated, that means it's fun. Yeah. Right? The child should wanna be there. Now Let's not confuse that with the fact that there will be times when the child is or the patient is crying or upset or um, objecting to the new rules, right? Right. Because, you know, when when a child is, let's say, hitting you in order to gain an object and an AVA team comes in and says, oh, well, we don't give the object if he hits you. We give the object if he asks for it, then the first thing that's going to happen is the child's going to hit you and wonder why he's not getting the thing he wanted because right. he used to in the past. Yep. So now he's going to hit you a little bit harder. That, is, as you know, Shannon, is called an extinction burst. But, yep. but So that phase is not fun. Right. But as soon as the child learns to ask or point to an object or somehow do it in a non-disturbing way, in a very adaptive manner, yep. then the rewards will pile on And the child will be so proud of themselves and everyone will be cheering and it's a beautiful moment. And over the course of time, first six, seven months, even sometimes a year, the child suddenly learns, whoa, this is fair. This is fair. There are moments that are tough, but then when I do things that are expected of me, I am heavily rewarded. And so many of my children have, you know, you, you hear from their parents the first couple of months are tough, and then the child is sitting, looking out, waiting for their yes. therapist because they can't wait to start their session yes. because it's fun.
1: Yes, my son loved it when the doorbell would ring and he would know that it was a therapist coming. He would like he he would just run to the door like so excited. There was one therapist in particular, and he would run to the door and he would peedu peedu peedu. He wanted to see <laughs> Um that he absolutely loved when he was there. There were times when he would get upset, and that was the hardest thing for me as a mom. Oh, my God. And then when he was 10, um, we were working on a a thing that isn't available right now, but it showed some of this. And I was watching a video of a child who was doing ABA who was in a moment, and he was crying. And the mother was on another camera reacting, and I was crying because I was remembering and my son came over and said, "What are you, Mom, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And I said, I'm watching this thing. It's really hard. And he started watching and recognized some of the people in it because one of the, the therapists was somebody that was on his team. And he said, is that me? Is the little boy me? And I said, oh. no. No, it's another little boy. And that's his mom. And he said, why is she crying? Oh. And I said, she's crying because he's upset and we never want our kids to be upset. And he said, oh, doesn't she know? He's just frustrated. And no one dies from frustration, Mom. Oh my you know gosh. what frustration is? Frustration is when things are about to change for the better.
0: Oh my God!
1: I know. This was from my ten-year-old who had been through the same therapy that, you and I called that mom. Bumps. I called that mom and I said, "I just I'm calling you from he's... the future." That my 10-year-old, because I wish somebody could have called me on the day that my son was crying when he was frustrated, and say, he's going to be 10, and he's going to be fine, and he's going to be able to tell you, I was just frustrated, and frustration is what happened. I'm like, how old was I then? I was like 50, and I was like, really? i got to write that down. That's a great frustration. I get frustrated sometimes, and I feel like it's the end of the world. It's not. It's just when
0: things are about to change. What an amazing statement. A 10-year-old. What an amazing statement. I need to use that with my... 20 somewhat year old kids right now. <laughs> I know you're frustrated,
1: but, but things are going to change. Yeah, yeah, that's that means that and it was the reminder to me and over the years I've talked to my son a lot and I'm like, "What do you remember mm-hmm. about?" because he was in 5 years of intensive, you guys. And and you know, he doesn't remember a great deal, I got to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. He has flashes <coughs> of things that he remembers playing. Yeah. That's what he remembers. And then every once in a while, now that he's heard me talk about it a lot, he remembers he's like, Oh yeah, I remember being frustrated on that day. But again, frustration is just when things are about to change for the better. Yeah. So there what you go. Uh, so it needs to be fun. Yeah. It, it is should is not fun. be all yeah. frustration by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, moving on to this next
0: slide here. So important for me. This is so, so, so important. Like and, you know, we can, there's different meanings to this, right? Meaningful for the individual. There's actually, in the, in the kind of scientific definition of ABA, it very specifically says that it needs to be something that is, in, in a different way, meaningful in the sense yeah. that it can uh, provide skills to the individual or make their life better in some way. Yeah. And this is very important, right? And a lot of times I will say to a parent, the parent will come and say, well, you know, we only have like, I don't know, 15 hours a week or whatever it is, but you know, I just want to make sure he doesn't fall behind in school. Right. And I'll ask the parent to select which one is more important or meaningful for the child. Yeah. You know, do you want to make sure that we're memorizing geographic facts or do you want to make sure that we're able to read other people's facial expressions. And, and you sometimes you have to choose because the child's getting to that point, but it is very important that whatever you are teaching is age-appropriate, meaningful, and probably, you know, that's going to differ based on the child's needs and age. Yeah. And
1: what a wonderful thing for you to say that to the parent. Which one is more meaningful? Not to the parent, but to the individual. Yeah. Because I think as parents, I'm going to hold my own hand up here. Sometimes there's something that's just really important to yeah. us yeah. because that's how we pictured it. Yeah. That's what we wanted. that's Or because that's how there's we pictured family it.
0: pressure or because yeah. we're
1: embarrassed or. Uh, or whatever. Yeah. That isn't always about the kiddo. And it's super important that everybody involved keep yep. remembering that it has to be important to the individual. To the individual. That we not spend time working on things that aren't important to them, that is some arbitrary somebody else picked thing. Love, love that. Uh, how about this? Yeah, think, choices. I, for, for people listening, and I, I should be reading them, it says gives the learner choices. choices.
0: And this is, of course, vital And it's so, I I love this one so much because some, you know, as going, following exactly what you just said about the previous issue, right? If you as a parent are trying to find, let's say, something that is rewarding for your child, you're going to project. You're going to think, well, I like tickles on my arms, so maybe a good reward for my child would be tickles on their arms. And that child might... Absolutely hate that because they're sensory sensitive, right? And unless you give the child the choice to select what is reinforcing to them, you'll never know. You just will not know if you're doing the right thing. And choice, so that's one example. I mean, good ABA, by the way, almost every time you sit down with the child, the first thing you do is you put out uh, choices of what they would like to have after that particular yeah. lesson. Yeah. Would you like a break? Would you like a cookie? Would you like a hug? What is it? Would you like a musical yeah. instrument? You want to go jump on the tramp? What do you want? Yeah. And what is it? Because you're willing to do this right now for me, but that's what you get when yeah. you've done it. And that is a very good example of like how choice is important to a yes. child, right? The other thing I want to say about choice, Shannon, that I think is vital and sometimes we overlook it is choice allows the individual to feel in control. Yes. And sometimes when our children get to a certain level and they're like just frustrated because they have to do so much, they have to do homework and they're tutoring with ABA and all this, I will give them a choice and I'll say, well these are the things we got to work on today. Which ones do you want to do first? Like, yeah. what's the order? You tell yeah. me what order you want to do these in. Yeah. And that gives them a sense of control over what is happening yeah. with their environment.
1: Yes. So important. I mean, you've done a lot of shows for us about anxiety. Yeah. And I think... Um, you uh, know, there you go. That's another great example. I, I think that a, a lot of our kids suffer from anxiety, and yet I see when they are given a choice, that that mitigates some of the anxiety. Definitely. Uh, Which I think is an important thing for all, it does that for me. Mm -hmm. When I feel anxiety, I almost always can trace it back to that I don't feel in control because I don't feel like I have a choice. And that even just saying to myself, wait a second, I do have a choice, I'm choosing to do this thing, Mm -hmm. that helps me to be able to do it. And I I do think it's kind of like a magic trick that I've seen my own son and other kids that are kind of escalating into something, and then somebody says, okay, I'm going to give you a choice. Now, it might actually be two things that they don't even particularly want to do, but they understand that they've learned over time, we're still going to have to do it, and I'm going to get this afterwards, but which one do I want first? Do I want to do math facts first on the iPad, or do I want to do this first? And there is a level of, okay, I have some choice here. I have some autonomy and so it it mitigates all of that, you know, They feel like, they don't feel
0: so much like they're forced into something. Yeah. In fact, sometimes, as you know, like I'll have, I'll cut out, uh, you know, some visual that has to do with each of the things, including the rewards, and I'll have the child organize it. Yep. So I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, this, that, this, that, and then... There's such a sense of... It's like us. It's I always say, like, put yourself in their position. Yeah. Right? If you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, I have 15 things I have to do today. Yeah. And you just organize it and you give yourself a chance and you say, okay, well, I'll do all this. Then I'll have... I mean, I, yeah. I... I'll be honest. This is exactly what I do with my coffee breaks. <laughs> right? I'll, I'll be like, this morning, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then I'll go to the office and have a coffee with Shannon. And then we'll do the show and the meeting and this and this, and then I'll go home and I'll have another coffee. And it's kind of like my breaks are, like, they're my reinforcers, obviously. And so if you have the control over your environment the choices sometimes the choices i don't want to do this today i'll do it tomorrow yeah that just gives you much more control yeah
1: and it's life is more enjoyable Definitely. and and so super duper important okay moving on to the next one traven um oh yeah. uh, gosh everyone
0: <laughs> deserves the right to communicate and this is such an important thing because you know one of the things that um I always say, and I think it's so important, is and whenever I give, when when I used to do these large conferences and I would ask parents, why do you think your child hits, for example? Like, why do you think they are biting or challenging behaviors, throwing, hitting, you know, pushing, whatever it is? Why do you think that is? Because those are not part of the symptoms of autism. They're not. And often we think, oh, My child is just angry because of autism. That is not the case. They are a side effect of not being able to communicate. So this is the most vital thing, I think. Everyone deserves the right to communicate. And the biggest, biggest objective of ABA is to actually teach the child to communicate in a functional, adaptive manner that is accepted by others. Because, you know, if, if I'm hitting someone in order to communicate that I want something or I want to avoid something, that's not going to work forever. Right. But if I'm able to use my words or use my icons or even my, you know, type something, or however, if I can communicate in a functional way, I will get the things that I want. And that is the most important thing. When our kids can't communicate, their frustration level skyrockets. And, of course, they will have some sort of challenging behavior to express that frustration.
1: Absolutely. Because they are communicating through that. Uh, But, again, going back to we can give them a way that's more effective, that's quicker for them, Less painful Easier, yeah. and doesn't have consequences that will hurt them. That's Because exactly if you're gonna right. walk around hitting people, eventually you're gonna be an adult and they're not gonna let you walk the streets. That's right. They're gonna confine you. So everybody deserves the right to communicate. I love that one of the you know first things is functional communication, which everybody goes, Oh, well, you're saying that everybody has to speak. No. This simply says everybody deserves the right to communicate Mm -hmm. and there are many different ways to teach someone to communicate Mm -hmm. um, and that that it's vital and that it's important. It's a sticking point. And we've heard from so many advocates across the board who have said to us uh, during the time that I've been doing this show that if you could just make that clear to parents that everybody deserves the right to communicate and an ABA has been found to be so much more effective at giving people oh, than the ability anything else. to communicate Absolutely. than anything else. Totally agree. Um there's the science to show behind it. Okay. Uh oh this this is a hallmark of you. You yeah. really are a champion for this, acknowledging a whole person.
0: Yeah, and I just will always continue to say this because you know, when the field of ABA was just developing, it was very difficult to make people understand that autism is not a learned disorder. It's not like a habit, yeah. you know what I mean, which is learned. Right. This Autism is something that's occurring due to a million different reasons, many of which we don't know yet, but we do know that a lot of individuals on the spectrum have biochemical issues going on, and some of those are leading... To some of the things that that they exhibit, some of the wow. symptoms they exhibit, and a good example of that is is the sort of the sensory types of differences that individuals on the spectrum have. And I, I can't tell you how important it is for me when I think about like the, I can't even treat a child behaviorally without going through a series of checkpoints in my head, which is. You know, has somebody done a uh, complete blood and urine panel to make sure this child doesn't have some sort of underlying medical issue? And that is so, so, so important because of the number of kids I've treated over the years who've had severe illnesses that were overshadowed by autism. As soon as you say somebody has autism... Yeah, I will never, ever forget, Shannon, one time I was doing an intake with a family, it was like two hours, because this child had a lot of issues, and at the end of the two hours, I said to the parent, is there anything else you I haven't asked you? And I ask a million questions in my intakes, and she said, well, yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he has diarrhea. And I said, oh, how long and how frequently? And she said, well, pretty much all of his life. And its I'd say somewhere between 8 to 10 times a day. And I said, what? Yeah. I was just like, I, I couldn't even. And I said, have you spoken to a gastroenterologist? And she said, yeah. And the doctor said, well, that's just part of the autism. Ugh. And I just was I thought to myself, oh, my God, like no. this poor child. And so when you have other medical illnesses going on, do not ignore them. They are very important. Yeah. Whether or not we can currently connect them to the symptoms of autism or not doesn't matter. Treat those other. This is a whole person. Yeah. Treat those underlying illnesses Make sure the child is not eating anything they're allergic to. Make sure they're not intaking mass quantities of sugar or uh, the food colorings. Those types of things tend to actually increase the symptoms of autism and, and it, the child will exhibit irritation and attention deficit and so yeah. on. Make sure the child is sleeping. Yeah. That I can't even repeat that enough times. Make sure that they have enough going on in their life that is positive that they don't experience anxiety or fear from someone. All of those, acknowledge all the stuff around the learning and make sure that you're taking care of all of that.
1: Now there is some old school ABA out there where they'll go, oh, we don't have anything to do with that. Yeah. I just don't think that that's good ABA anymore. No,
0: it's scary. I think,
1: I think you you really got to be working with somebody who acknowledges that. It's
0: scary. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm always mystified when people say, well, you know, diet doesn't have anything to do with this individual. I, I, I'm like, how how yeah. can you make a sweeping statement like that?
0: How about you yourself? Exactly. Yeah. If I was to give you something that you could not digest, if I was to give you something you're allergic to, something that makes you hyper, something that yeah. disturbs your stomach... How, how about a you beer? How, how about I you give function?
1: you a beer? There it's going to change how you behave. That's right. Come on now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can't. I can't handle that. Uh, okay. I think uh, now we're down to the discussion. There were a couple of points that we wanted to add in, and I we're getting down to the end. But let's obviously intensity is something that's important with ABA. ABA, you know, it isn't something that you can. I, and I see people do this all the time that they're prescribed. Thirty-five hours, and they say, "Well, we'll just do fifteen because that that seems like too much. I know. It's going to be disruptive." And then they're unhappy with the fact that they didn't get the result they had hoped for.
0: Yeah, I read an article just today, Shannon, that was talking about uh, organizations that insist on something like you know a board-certified behavior analyst insisted on the child receiving forty hours of ABA, and a psychologist who had just evaluated the child said. I don't think they need anything more than 10 or 15 hours. And I I, I can comment on this because I'm a psychologist and I'm a board certified behavior analyst. And let me tell you, you know, it's it's uh, the psychologists unless they have had many, many, many years of experience, should not be commenting on this because behavior analysis, the expert is the BCBA, is the board certified behavior analyst, and they. If they're, reco- if they're suggesting intensive hours, it's because your child needs the intensive hours in order to learn all the things yeah. they need to learn.
1: Period. Well, I'm not a psychologist, nor am I a BCBA, but I can read. Yeah. And oh, I've, yes. read, I've read the studies, and the studies are very clear on this, that intensity matters is, is the deal. Yep. And, and it makes sense to me, because if I, if I go to the gym, and I say I want to change the way my body looks and I go to the gym and I see the person in the corner that has the body that I have, I, I might want to ask them, how much time do you devote to this? That's right. I'm not going to like the answer.
0: Well, that's Because <laughs> I'm not going to want to
1: do it. But if I truly want the body that they have, I need, I need to up the intensity that's right. on it. Or if someone wants
0: to learn to play the, piano, Thank the violin you. or the piano, or if someone wants to become a chess player, yes. it all requires a certain level of intensity. It does. It does. There's that whole
1: 5,000-hour uh, premise yes. that they say, if you want to be an expert golfer or play the violin and be an expert, you need to devote 5,000 hours to it. Oh, I wanted my son to be an expert at being able to communicate his needs. Interesting. And so we, we did 5,000 hours. There you go. And, and my son can communicate now. There you go. So there we have. But if I had only given it 25 hours, I would not have an expectation that I would get the same place That's right. in any other field. So um, don't shortchange your time. And child. also,
0: and, and as you said, Shannon, I mean, all the scientific documentation oh, points to the fact clear. that lower hours actually are kind of wasting time because realistically, when you do 10 hours, it doesn't, it's not effective. And it becomes frustrating for the child. So
1: There we go. And then parent involvement is a very important part of this because a lot of people are probably where, at this point, they're like, okay, I heard what you ladies said. I want the good outcome. I want to drop my child off at the nearest center and right. let them do the good ABA with my child right. and
0: don't bother me. Right. And I think I I understand that. I I I get it too. My God, because everybody needs a break, and I'm I'm actually for the parents having a break. Me too. But what I want to say is that you need to be involved to the level where you understand, just like anything else, Shannon. Right? I mean, like I, as you know, I'm looking at back. I have back problems, so I'm looking at various procedures that I might be able to do. Well, guess what? I read everything I can about it. I learn everything I can about it, and that's all we're saying. We we don't expect parents to, you know, become board certified in this field, but we do expect parents to learn as much as they possibly can so that they can participate in the treatment. Nobody knows your child as much as you do as a parent. Right. And the more you know the ABA terminology and the techniques, and you'll be able to sit in meetings with the BCBA and be able to say, yeah, I know, but I think he needs this. Or I know, but I th- I look at my child, I don't think he's getting reinforced enough. Or I feel like we need to go faster, he's getting bored. Whatever it is, the more you know, the more you will be able to contribute to the treatment. I will say that, you know, 99% of my success cases always had a very involved parent.
1: Absolutely. The thing for me was that I had the sign on my mirror saying... Um, Gem's team is only as good as the weakest player and that will not be me. That's right. Um, but our point in saying this, both the intensity and this, is that if you have an ABA provider who's not talking about intensity with you, then that's probably not the good ABA. Right. If you have an ABA provider who's not trying to chase you down as the parent to have to show you what they're doing, probably not the good thing. Let's go to the next one on the list, which I think is a willingness to collaborate. Like you just said, if I'm the parent and I say hey, I know my child, and what about this? If they're not yeah. at least hearing you out, I want you as a parent to hear them out too and yes. listen to them because they're experts. But I always say, when did you vote me off the team? Yeah, I want to be on the team you as the parent. a parent.
0: You, and you have to be a very active person and very respected person on the team, to be yeah. honest, because sometimes an ABA provider might say, I want to do X, and you'll say, no, I don't really want to do X, I want to right. do Y, because that's in the best interest of my child. Right. Simple as that. The other aspect of that collaboration though for a good ABA provider is also being able to collaborate with others. Thank you. So with a speech pathologist, with an occupational therapist, with medical doctors, with your school, with your child's school, yep. with everyone. So you you know, I always used to tell our supervisors, you're kind of the care coordinator yep. of this child. You have to coordinate care with all these other individuals. And that's very important.
1: We had one more thing, and I can't remember what it is, and we got to close. Um, but, but again, do you remember, can you put the slide up really quickly, Traven? Are you able to do that? Because I can't remember what it is. Uh, oh, availability. Oh, availability, they, well, of they've course. Got have, they've got to have therapists. Yes. Because if you're with the best therapy, and they're doing the top-notch, but they, they don't have people and they don't have
0: availability for your child, then, then, yeah. you know. Then, I mean, and then I, I say, like, maybe at that point, you would want to help them hire people. I mean, yes. a lot of times parents feel, you know, the, the, I, I always used to say parents, help us hire. And I did. You did. I and did. And when you bring a, anyone, a cousin, a niece, a nephew, someone you met at Ralph's, whatever it is, you bring yep. them and the organization hires them. Most organizations will just train them and will actually give you preferential time because you helped bring a therapist to the organization. And that's very important. I'll be honest. The people that we brought in, we didn't get to be on our team because
1: we knew them. But they but went on
0: someone else's team. They were team. on somebody
1: else's team, and so I got somebody because they had somebody else. Exactly. So super important because how are you going to do the intensity if there isn't the availability? We're out of time, but I want to say this. If you have questions about any of this, please write it in now uh, in, into the chat because next week we're going to take questions specifically from you guys about things that you're seeing with your ABA provider or why you're avoiding ABA, why you haven't done it, what your concerns are. Cause let's just get it all out. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about all of it, it in an open forum. Um, Definitely. so that we can move on.
0: Definitely. All right.
1: Uh, tomorrow we are back. Trayvon, I can't remember what the topic is for Wednesday. I, this is terrible that I'm just drawing a complete blank but I will tell you that on Thursday it is that time of the month when we're doing let's talk movies and oh, I can't fun. wait I can't wait to talk about first lock and key with Kobe bird oh <gasps> oh my gosh but if you guys aren't watching extraordinary attorney woo well tune in on Thursday nice. to hear me talk about that it's the number one rated show in Korea uh, and it's based on a, a girl who is an attorney on the spectrum so nice.
0: Thank you. Oh, everyone. we're talking about
1: compliance oh, from a parent's wow, point of view fun. tomorrow. Uh, about, oh, that'll be important, right? Uh, and Very. about, uh, yes, some having to do with this. So, compliance tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you, too. Thank you, Dr. Thanks, Doreen.
0: everyone. Pleasure.
1: Bye bye. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly
0: Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangee Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life.
1: Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.